Just before we get stuck into this week's episode of the Center Pass podcast, we just wanted to take a moment and address the feedback to some of the comments made on last week's episode. We completely accept our shortcomings in our discussion around the Firebird saga and the Gemma Mai Mai drama. We have taken all the feedback on board and are very committed to doing better in the future and having those tough conversations. It is never our intention to upset anyone and we were grateful for the insight provided uh, which will help make us at the Centre Pass podcast better and the podcast better in the long term. Once again, thank you to everyone who reached out and did it in a respectful way. And with that, we'll get into today's episode. Welcome to the Centre Pass Podcast, brought to you by Netball Draft Central. My name is Jared Gardner, and as always, I'm joined by Taylor Mulkey and Sophie Taylor. And a massive round 14, start off with you, Taylor. Um, these results didn't have much bearing on the ladder, but some some close games to finish off the regular season. Yeah, it was really exciting. I think that the last round, it's like all of the teams had everything to prove and nothing to lose. So especially those bottom four teams, they came out with a real fire in the belly and kind of set the basis of what could be next year if they continue that form. And the closeness of the games was really exciting. And I think you could also tell that they'd had about a 10-day 10, 10 um, turnaround. So their bodies were a little bit more rested and you could definitely see that in the court play. So it was a really huge round of uh, 14 and it was generated plenty of excitement that's for sure yeah definitely and uh sophie i guess we're excited to head into finals but we also got news of two retirements from the melbourne vixens during the weekend in in katie thwaites and tegan phillip uh pretty sad to see both of them going out this year yeah it's been really really sad to see those two players go i think caitlin thwaites in particular has been a really really respected part of the australian netball community for so long and has been a real integral integral part of the growth of netball in Australia. And then you look at someone like Tegan Phillip, who's also had a really, really great impact at Victorian level. And in Victoria in particular, she's played with the Vixens her entire career and uh, is the game's record holder at the Vixens as well. So he's just such a crucial member of that playing group. And I think credit where credit is due, both players have had such an impact both on the Australian stage and the international stage and been constant, I mean, pushes of the boundaries and kept kept pushing themselves. So, yes, yeah, so, so impressive. So it's, it's kind of like about making sure that the Vixens really reward those two for their efforts this season. Obviously, we've all heard about the minor premiership curse and I think it's just more incentive this season for the Vixens to break that and really go out at their absolute peak with those two core players in the midst. Yeah, we'll have to see. wait and see what happens in the finals. Uh, we'll get, in, get into that a little bit later, but first of all, round 14, as we said, produced some uh, great results. Uh, the Firebirds in the first game got the job done over the Magpies, 63 to 60, 65 to 63. Uh, the Swifts and the Giants drew 77 apiece. Uh, the Thunderbirds got the job done over the Fever, 64 to 63 in an absolute thriller and the Vixens defeated the Lightning 58-54 to just really cement their spot at the top of the ladder. Uh, as we said, a few really close matches, and um, I think especially the, the Thunderbirds and Firebird results really stand out to me as um, 
ways, great ways to end the season for both of those sides. Yeah, I agree. It was a really, really huge season. And I think what was so impressive about this season was the difference between the top of the ladder and the bottom of the ladder wasn't anywhere near as uh, intense or kind of big as it has been in other seasons. Obviously, we've had those blowout results, but like this season, there's been the Magpies have pushed like every team. They've they've really, really gone for it against majority of the teams and gotten the job done a few times, but just haven't been able to secure that win. And so obviously it would be really, really frustrating for them, but I think it's also helped to make the competition better because it means that those top teams can never really rest on their laurels. They have to be putting out those stellar performances every single time. And I think that really became apparent at the end of this season. I think this se- this round ended up being one of the... Um, closest rounds of the season or something like that. There was a combined seven goals between all eight teams on the weekend. And I think even looking at those top teams, you you expected the Fever and Swifts to come away with considerable wins. And neither of them did. The Fever obviously went down to the Thunderbirds and then the Swifts had a draw with the Giants. So I think it's been really, really intriguing and interesting seeing how much the dynamic has changed this season. And that's not just because of the super shot. That's just because of the wealth of talent that's coming through the pathways and obviously having a condensed season, teams are more willing without the bonus points to be putting those players out on court. So it's been a really, really exciting season because of how close the competition has been. I think one thing that really stood out to me this round was the full brunt of the super shot and just how much it can change the course of a game. We saw Joe Hart and I think she ended up putting five five super shot, super shots straight consecutively in that Giants fourth quarter and she ultimately changed the course of the game they were down by 10 goals they had no right to come back at the Swifts like that but yet they managed to somehow do that and so much so that game actually had I think it was a a season a record or a season high well I suppose record high whatever you want to call it considering this is the first season of the super shot there was 39 or 37 attempts or something like that so that's an impressive feat by two teams who kind of both said oh we're not really big fans of the super shot but yet this come this game it was almost like they had to do the super shot if they were going to win and I mean in the end neither side did but it was just that element of we really saw how much of an influence it can have on the game. Same with that lightning clash when uh, Steph Wood, I, once again, the lightning were down by 10 goals against the Vixens and Steph Wood came out and shot three or four consecutive super shots to get her side back within it. So I think coming into finals, these teams are really going to have to shake up their game plan. The really interesting thing for me on the weekend is the Magpies Firebirds game in particular. I think we've kind of seen how the super shot can change games in that it helps teams win and it helps teams come back from huge margins. But what we saw in this game was it actually changed the tempo of the game. And I don't know whether it just got a little bit more erratic, a little bit more hasty, but both teams were going for the super shot, which means neither team could let up once they started. And I think it was particularly the first and last quarter where it was really like uh, Tipa Dwan and Gabby Sinclair just going and going and going and it was just head to head. They had to keep going for them because otherwise they were going to be on the back foot. And it was really interesting seeing how the super shot could change it that way. And I mean, I still don't love the super shot, but I think that's the only way that it kind of does work in our game when it's both teams going past like straight back and forth. Yeah, it was really, really interesting. 
And obviously they're two of the, well, not quite lowest teams on the ladder given the Firebirds season in the end, but obviously they're two teams that aren't making finals. This is all about pride, this win. And they they know that they need to just keep going for it and really utilising it. And neither team was really getting that manufactured momentum that we've been kind of seeing in other games. So I thought that was a really, really fascinating look at the super shot and how it's kind of chopped and changed throughout the season. Yeah, I think it's one that um, teams have really adapted to throughout the season. Obviously, it was brought in very late in the preseason and teams were um, had to kind of try and adapt very quickly. But now they've had, what, eight or ten, eight or ten weeks to kind of really um, get in rhythm and I think they're, they're really using it to their advantage now. Uh, in, in terms of round 14, obviously it was a massive round, but there's a lot of other news coming out uh, that has come out in the Super Netball world. Obviously, we spoke about it off the top, um, the two retirements from the Melbourne Vixens, Katie Thwaites and Tegan Phillip. Katie Thwaites is one that uh, debuted for the Melbourne Kestrels back in 2002 when she was 16 years old. Um, and Tegan Phillip, I think, is the most capped Melbourne Vixen, um, most capped Melbourne Vixen, Melbourne Vixen of all time. So two absolute legends of the sport and uh, the Melbourne Vixens in general. So um, it's going to be tough to see them go. Sophie, we've already spoken to you about it, so I might go to Taylor first. Um, it's, yeah, it's a massive loss for the Vixens. Yeah, it's huge. And it's not only a loss to, to the Vixens, but I think it's a loss to netball fans across Australia across the world because we just know how exciting they are to watch. I'm pretty sure I can speak for everyone when I say that Katie Thwaites has always been a fan favourite and she's always offered 110%. And as Soph said earlier, the fact that she was thrown this goal attack position this year and just taken like a duck to water in it just absolutely dominated. And, you know, you can't teach that. It's just her innate netball ability and that love for the game. And you can see that every time she steps out on court. And, and Tegan Phillips being such a great servant for the Vixens as well. So, you know, there's just class class across the court for those two. And it's going to be incredibly hard for the Vixens to fill their shoes. You know, it's not only one player they now have to replace. It's two great players and it's going to be, I envy the position that they will be in at the end of the season because good luck ever trying to fill the shoes of those two because you're going to have to find someone that can do that because I just, at the moment, I'm like, I have no clue who they would who will, who they will choose to fill that spot, but good luck to them. But I think full credit to, to Swates and um, Philip. They've had an amazing career and, yeah, it's going to be a, a sorely missed yeah, I think it really takes a lot for a player to retire at the top of their game. I mean, we've seen Katie Thwaites in particular this season absolutely step out in that goal attack bib and take on every single thing that she's been asked to do. And I think that, number one, it takes a great player to be able to swap out the bibs and change their role in the latter stage of their season. But it also takes a lot for her to be like, you know what, this is the end of my career. I'm, I'm stopping here while I'm at the high. And I think that's just so impressive. And then you look at someone like Tegan Phillip, who hasn't necessarily had the best season in the books because of how great Katie Thwaites has been. But she has been such a crucial cog for the Vixens for so many years. She's been a huge uh, player in, in her playmaking skills. And I think it's a real credit to her and Katie Thwaites and MJ Kamwenda out the front as well 
for Simone McInnes to have been able to rotate these three through over the last year or so and really adjust the game accordingly. And you know that when one is coming on, they are going to change the game. And I think that's what makes the Vixens so impressive up in the front end. Yeah, I think um, there, there will obviously be names thrown about. Obviously, Conwender is expected to stay. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, I think the room mill will go into overdrive. There's obviously the big cloud over Caitlin Bassett's future. I don't think the Vixens are probably the fit for her. Um, I don't know what the, I don't know what the contract situation is with different players, but the one name that I might throw out is Sam Gooden from the from the Thunderbirds. Uh, obviously, she joined the Thunderbirds as a permanent replacement player in 2020. Um, she's played with the Vixens and the Magpies, and she is I think from Victoria originally, so. Um, she's had a bit of exposure at Suncorp Super Netball level in 2020, so maybe that's an option if you're looking for someone kind of ready-made. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot to play out in in that space, and we'll have to wait and see. But as we as we have all said, um, it's disappointing to see Caitlin Thwaites and Tegan Phillip retire. Um, so many accolades between the two of them, and, and have both been playing for so long. So we do wish them all the best in their retirement and uh, what life ha- has in store for them after netball. Uh, moving on now, and uh, in the last week, the Australian Diamond squad has been announced, and it is a squad of 19, and um, so, so some great players to see in the squad, but and, and seven possible debutants in the squad, um, so it's it's really exciting to see some of these young players. Obviously, Stacey Marinkovic coming in as the new Diamonds coach has had her say and um, brought a couple of her players into the squad, in, especially Jess Anstis and Verity Charles, but what were kind of your first reactions when you saw the squad? I was really excited, if I'm perfectly honest. I think it's got a very fresh new look. And I think that in the past, we've um, the, the Diamonds have kind of really stuck with that core group of players and then just brought in the odd player here, there and everywhere. So I am really excited to see what the future could hold. I'm interested in the fact that we've brought in quite a number of young players so while they might not exactly, you know, make it that next stage, it is just a chance for them to develop and get used to that elite environment and kind of bleed them up and see what they're made of, which is a really, really exciting prospect. And I think that Australia has a really uh, bright future when it comes to some of their young stars. I know I personally have been critical in the past saying that often um, we, the SSN has been filled with too many international players and that Aussies aren't getting a chance. But I think this season has really provided those youngsters to get an opportunity out on court. So I'm really excited to see what the future could hold. And I personally was thrilled when I saw that Kim Jenner had made the squad. I think she put out a pretty impressive season. And considering she is only 22, her development is, there's still so much development for her to happen. So she's one I'm really excited about. And same with Sophie Garbin. I'm interested to see what they do with her and how they kind of train her up or whether they kind of make her more of a specialised goal shooter. We've seen her play out in goal attack, but I personally think she looks a lot more comfortable under the post and she's so strong in the air that it's almost taking her out into that goal attack position. It, it, she loses that that aerial strength and that dominance under the post. So I'm very interested to see the the coaching styles and, and the things that and development that happens with some of these young players. Sophie, what were you thinking? 
Yeah, I agree with Taylor. I really like the new squad. I think it's a really, really good look into the future of the Diamonds. I, I mean, we've seen a lot of swapping and changing over the past few years, and we've still got those core players. I mean, Caitlin Bassett, Lizzie Watson, Courtney Bruce, Joe Weston. We've still got those core, core players uh, in each of the thirds, and Gabby Simpson's even back in the ring this season. So I think that's really, really important. But we've also got those new names in there who can help carry the Diamonds forward. I think that's really, really going to help over the next few years, even if they don't get the court time. And that's the thing that I think we've faltered with over the past few years. The Diamonds have been giving court time to anyone who's performed at SSN. Let them prove themselves in the Diamonds camp and let them do more than just string across maybe three caps over the course of an entire international season. We need players who are consistent and who are able to consistently step up. And kind of looking at players like that, I think it's really interesting seeing kind of more so the omissions. Um, obviously, Ash Braz isn't in the mix. She's still returning from injury, but I I think she'd be one who you'd want in the mix as a as a really great option to help teach the younger uh, the younger players. I mean, then we've got someone like uh, Kelsey Brown, who's also in injury, but then we've got Gretel Weta, who's gotten into the side. So it's really, really intriguing. Um, I will say, like, we'll bring up the way that Amy Parmenta has been off the list. I think that's really odd. Um, I think she's had a really, really exceptional season. And I mean, full credit to Jess Anstis. Clearly, she's done her job and has has gotten the nod this time. And maybe perhaps they're looking for someone a little bit more versatile who can have an impact across all three thirds. But then again, I guess Parmenta can do that too. And I mean, Kate Eddy can have an impact in wing defense or goal defense. And she's another who was kind of in contention there. So I think it's a really, really interesting squad. But like I said, I'm really happy with it. I think it's really looking towards the future. And at the end of the day, um, onwards and upwards, you just got to keep getting better. I mean, we can't really go worse than we have over the past few seasons. Yeah, there's a lot of names that have been floating around as, as unlucky to miss out. And I think um, Amy Parmenter and Kate Eddy are the two very obvious ones, as you said, Sophie. Um, just my thoughts quickly. I think, Taylor, you mentioned her um, briefly. Sophie Garbin, I think, is one that I was very excited to see named. I think uh, we've seen this season that, obviously, she is that backup behind Sam Wallace and Helen Housby in that Swifts team. And um, you look at someone like Kara Conan, who has cemented herself as the starting goal shooter for the Lightning. But I think what Garbin has the ability to do, and we've seen it multiple times in the I think, two seasons she's been at Suncorp Super Netball level, is she's been able to win, almost win games basically on her own back. Like she can take a game over and it's something that you can't really teach. It's just players have those traits that they're just able to take over a game and, and be so, uh, such a commanding force. And, and Garbin is one of those. So, if it's not this year, I, I do hope that she does get that opportunity to play for the Diamonds in the near future because um, she's one that I think could absolutely tear up the international stage and really help the Diamonds in the long run. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I'm very happy with the squad. I think we all are and just excited to see when international netball does eventually go ahead, what this team can do and, and uh, who is eventually picked. Um, just finally, before we get into Team of the Week and, and have a chat with Emily Mannix, uh, Jeeva Mentor was named the Magpies best and fairest. I think it's back to back for her. Um, obviously had a, a ripper season in what what has been such a tough year for the Magpies. Uh, I think the other um, the other result that was really surprising out of that was Molyovic, who came second in the best and fairest. So an absolutely stunning season for Mentor and Molly there. 
Yeah, I think Mentor just keeps getting better. She's just like a fine wine. Just age, age is just no number for her. She just continues to get better and better. And like you touched on there, Jared, she's just a, such a consistent force down back to have won last year with a side consisting of Ash Braz and and Kelsey Brown as well and Nat Medhurst. You know, it's not like she's just all of a sudden, you know, dominating for the Pies. No, she's been that consistent performer. And for Molly Ovic to come out this season, she was playing VNL last year, you know, was kind of, I say a nobody, but, you know, was kind of a nobody on that SSN stage. No one knew who she was in that regard. To come out and to to play the way she has this season and carry that midcourt through certain patches is just a phenomenal um, effort and it's a real credit to her. Yeah, absolutely. She has had a really, really stellar season. I think what Molly has done really, really well is she's had an impact before the Brown sisters were out and once once they've been out for a little while. I think it says a lot about her being able to step up and her ability there and just the amount of experience that she's gained just training alongside those two. And I think that's really, really important. And the other thing I wanted to touch on here is just Molly Jovich coming in and winning a, a runner-up best, best and fairest the first year she's in the competition, I think says a lot about the pathways too. And I think a lot of international players have come through the ranks in Suncorp Super Netball over the past few years. And that's been really, really great because at the end of the day, we're helping those international players step up. That means that the Australian Diamonds competition is going to be even better in the future. The international competitions will continue to grow and get even more competitive, except it does mean that our younger players have been left on the back burner. And I think what Molly Jovic has done really, really well this season is she's used all of her experience from being in the ANL and VNL and taken her elite playing to the to a completely new level, which is really, really huge. And it says a lot about not only the VNL pathway, but the ANL pathway as a whole, especially given it hasn't been on this season. Um, I think that's just so impressive that the pathways continue to produce players like this who can just step straight into games and I think it says a lot for the future of the Diamonds. Hopefully we'll see some more young guns getting a little bit of that belief behind them rather than having to continue to wait on the wings for so long. So yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with Molly Jovic and obviously full credit to Jeeva too because she's just been such a stalwart player down back. Yeah, definitely. And I think we'll see, I think as more teams announce their best and fairest awards we'll see some of those young guns kind of up, up, up the top um, of those awards so it's, it's great to see for the future of Australian netball uh, moving on now and we'll go through our team of the week for round 14 um, and there's a couple of um, I think I think mostly actually most of these players it's their first time in the team of the week there's a couple that have um, been in multiple times but I'll start off in defense and it is Jeeva Mentor who we did just speak about had a phenomenal Phenomenal game for the Bagpies on the weekend against the, Th- the Firebirds. Uh, unfortunately, they couldn't get the job done, but uh, four interceptions and eight deflections, eight gains for, for Jeeva. It's just a, an absolutely uh, phenomenal performance. And next to her, we've got Maddie Turner in goal defence. Um, she's really built into this season. I think she's hit the ground running and really ready to go for finals. So excited to see what she can do for the Swifts. Uh, Taylor, I might go to you for the midcourt. Oh, winner, winner. Okay, so in wing defence, we've got um, Amy Parmenta. I think, as we've said before, she's just one of the most consistent and exciting players to take the court, and this game was no different. She was often that one that sparked the Giants into attack. So she was a shoe-in for wing defence. 
In centre, we've got Mahalia Cassidy. She's been another really consistent performer for the Firebirds and she really drove that attacking and defensive um, momentum for them throughout the game. And I think, like you said here, Jared, one of the first, or it is her first time in the team, Emma Kosh in wing attack, she often flies under the radar and clearly she was a little bit of a, a surprise. Well, she's really relished the court time ever since Ingrid Collier went down and I think her work rate has just really increased and she's clearly becoming a lot more confident in that fever front line. So congrats to her on getting her wing attack starting position in our starting seven. Soph, do you want to do the goalers? Yeah, so I finally got the goalers this week and I've got two of my faves in. So we've got Georgie Hoare just out in goal attack, obviously. We touched on those pathways and those younger players a little bit earlier, but she had a really, really impressive game. And she obviously started out in wing attack, but once Chelsea Pittman took the court and uh, Hoare just stepped into goal attack, it, it was just like the... Thunderbirds flipped a switch and she was really, really impressive, stood up really well in the last quarter and and it doesn't matter what you throw at her, she's always going to take it on. So I think that was really, really impressive. And then in goal shooter, we've got the birthday girl from the weekend, MJ Kamwenda, obviously had another really, really impressive game. And that's saying something because there are a lot of goal shooters that really start on the weekend. But I think Maui Kamwenda just continues to be such a a phenomenal almost barometer for the Vixens. She's always able to step up and she's always getting so into the game. And it was her birthday. She turned 31 on the weekend. And I think it was just the perfect birthday present. She was just fantastic. So those two round out our on-court positions for our team of the week. And just finally, we'll go through our bench. Uh, in defence, we've gone with Courtney Bruce and Joe Weston. Uh, two diamonds they had great performances over the weekend in midcourt Mel Bragg who's finished the season off on absolute fire I think she's been great over the last uh, two or three weeks and Chelsea Pittman in her last game for the Adelaide Thunderbirds she was the player of the match in that in that win over the fever um, absolutely phenomenal I think Sophie as you said her connection with Georgie Horgis is just um, bring great to great to watch over the course of this season it's sad we won't see that in 2021 but um, a great way to finish off her Thunderbirds career. And uh, finally, Shimona Nelson, who had a good game for the Magpies. Obviously, this one was... Um, it, it was very disappointing that the Magpies couldn't get a win to finish off their season. But for her, uh, Mel Bragg and Jeeva Mentor to have great games, they all get a nod in the team of the week. And now we are very excited here on the Centre Pass podcast to be joined by Melbourne Vixens defender and Australian Diamond squad member, Emily Mannix. Emily, thank you for joining us here on the Centre Pass podcast. Thank you for having me, guys. Well, first of all, it's obviously been a crazy season and congratulations to you and the Melbourne Vixens on finishing on top of the ladder in Suncorp Super Netball competition. Uh, you've been in a hub for, I think, over three months now. You've played 14 games in eight weeks. Uh, how has this season been for you? Like no other, really, if you put it simply. It is just like nothing I've ever experienced before. Um, obviously, I've been on Diamonds tours before and that sort of thing where you're away from home for, you know, three or so weeks. But this is just completely different. And this is definitely the longest I've been away from home. Um, I think the longest I've been away from home is about a month. So this has definitely topped it um, by a long, long mile. But um, it's been a really positive experience for me and I think that's the thing you've just got to really treat it as you know a really positive experience otherwise you can get caught up in it all it's obviously you know we just packed up and left 
with a few days notice but it's what we had to do to get the season going and we all had that common interest and common desire to to come up out come up here and do you know what it takes to to get the ball rolling and get a season underway so it's been pretty crazy lots of things have happened but I think that's a great thing we've I've had you know so many memories that I'm going to remember forever this year is crazy for everyone but yeah definitely enjoying the experience and the brizzy weather definitely makes it easier as well it's very warm very toasty <laughs> as you can see I've got a nice tan going on this is really <laughs> um <laughs> So, yeah, I've definitely made the most of the sunshine up here, which has been lovely. Oh, very jealous. Well, the Vixen season overall, I think it's something like 13 rounds at the top of the ladder now. Um, how's that been for you? And obviously getting into finals prep now too after the weekend. I actually didn't even realise that, that it was Sterling weeks. <laughs> but, look, we'll take it. We'll take it. Um, yeah, I think we have been very consistent this year, which is something that you know, in the past just hasn't been there for us. We've always had a really strong team and, you know, the belief that we could go all the way and we've just sort of fell short the last, you know, few years. Um, obviously in 2017, we finished on top, got knocked down in straight sets. Um, so hopefully this year is going to be different and we'll write a bit of a different story this year. But um, I think that's a thing. And we've been thrown an absolute curveball being, you know, put up here in a hub and we've just embraced it. And, you know, you can go two ways with it. You can either think of it as, you know, a negative thing and it really affect you and your team. But we've, like I said, been super positive taken it in our stride and just run with it and we've been able to put out some really really good netball this year which I'm definitely really proud of and, and proud of the group for doing that. And you kind of touched on the fact that this year's thrown out a, a couple of curveballs <laughs> one curveball in particular being the super shot which you guys kind of weren't expecting how have you as a defender kind of adapted to that? Yeah obviously when it came out quite suddenly that that was coming in we sort of all were a bit disappointed with it but um our coach Simone was like look it's there we can't do anything about it we can we're just going to go on and and go with it and we're lucky that our goalers are very good long-range shooters and I think that was the positive for us defenders at training you know before coming up here um you know when we'll eventually allowed to train together again um we were practicing that against our goalers and they were both, whoever was on, they were both going into that two-point zone and shooting them. So I think that really helped us as defenders in the lead into the competition that we were able to practice against, you know, two shooters that are going to put themselves in that position to shoot. So that definitely helped us. And obviously, as we've seen the rounds go on, we've seen different teams use it use it a lot and use it not so much. So, um, yeah, look, it's it's still something that I'm not 100% sold on, but um, you've just got to embrace it and, and roll with it. And I think we've done that quite well. And another change that I wanted to bring up was the rolling subs. How have you kind of adapted to that as the Vixens? We've seen a few more ver uh, changes this season, but how have you found it overall? Yeah, I really like the rolling subs. I think it just cuts out all that nonsense of calling a fake injury timeout, <laughs> which, you know, I have done a couple of those in the past of the, oh, my timeout, like injury my pinky, or which I actually <laughs> did my pinky, but, um, you know, oh, timeout for a finger or something like that. So it just cuts out that and it makes it really seamless and people can sort of come on and off without anyone knowing, which is sometimes a bit of a surprise when you turn around, you've got a new player on you and you, you weren't sure when that happens. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's been a really good in, uh, introduction of that rule. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, a major change to the Vixens this season has been the inclusion of Kate Eddy uh, coming, mm. out, coming, out, coming back from the Swifts. Um, how has it been to have her working with you and Joe and, and especially her versatility down back? 
Yeah, and I think that was one thing, you know, losing Renee to retirement for the second time. Um, they were big shoes to fill. She's obviously an amazing player and has done so much in that wing defence position. So they were big shoes to fill. But Katie has come in so seamlessly, fitted in really well with the group. And I've loved what she's put out there this season. She's been so dynamic and those big hands over, those little wing attacks has been super effective for us. And she's slotted in really well in our defensive unit as well, you know, with my... Joey and, and KD, we've all been, you know, working really well together and she offers um, something really good. So she's coming, um, yeah, super seamlessly and she's done a great job out there at the, the wing defence that no one gives a lot of credit for. But, yeah, she's done, <laughs> done a great job. <laughs> so obviously we just t- spoke about adding a new player to the, to the ranks and now obviously yesterday there was the announcement of Tegan Phillip and Katie Thwaites retiring. Um, I guess kind of what that, what is that like and knowing how much of an impact they have on the team? Mm, I've known Tegan for a while now, just because she's from down in Geelong um, and we've, you know, got that sort of connection. We make the big drive up the highway together for every session. Um, And Katie as well, I've really got to know her over the years and um, they're both such amazing people off the court and people do recognise that they are great people off the court as well and yeah they've they've played some some bloody unreal netball over the years I think you know Tegan's been playing I think she's been is it 12 years at the Vixens and and Thwaiti's been playing at that level for 18 years Um, so it's pretty extraordinary what they've been able to achieve um, and what they've offered and done for netball in general Um, but yeah they're just amazing people and I think I said after they announced it to us and we were just all messes when they, it was Katie went up and announced it and then we all were out for dinner and then we all went back to our meals and then I just hear it at the corner of my ear end and I hear Tegan go up. I'm like, no, surely not. (laughs) They both announced at the same time to us and it was very emotional um, when they did it and we're all, yeah, it was tears going everywhere. But I think that just shows, yeah, what amazing people they are and, I know they're looking forward to their life after netball now and what they can do. And um, I know that I'll keep in touch with them and remain close friends with them um, in the future as well. But yeah, it was a very sad day for the netball world, I think. A lot of people like, no, not both on the same (laughs) day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no way. (laughs) But no, I think they've, yeah, they've offered a lot and um, I think it's time now for them to go off and enjoy their lives, whatever that may be. Um, have families and yeah, do something outside of netball, but hopefully still stay in the bubble a little bit. It'd be nice. Mm. Uh, kind of switching uh, switching gears a little bit now, kind of looking t- more towards the Diamonds, recently announced in the squad and a lot of new faces joining the ranks as well. Yeah, I think um, I'm always very humbled and you know excited to be a part of the Diamond squad. It's such a a competitive, I guess, group to be involved in. And um, there's a lot of people, yeah, new faces this year that's exciting for them. And um, and that's a thing. You never guarantee a position, even in the squad. You've really got to prove yourself, you know, week in, week out to, to be able to get that because it's, you know, only around, well, I think there's 19 in the squad at the moment. So, um, you know, it's pretty competitive and there's a lot of great players out there proving themselves and, it's great to see some younger faces in, you know, obviously Kim Jenner, who's done a really good job this year, um, you know, as well as others. So I think 
those that have remained in the squad um, have been, you know, playing really well and proving themselves. But yeah, it's great to see some some and you know some younger younger ones coming up um, through the ranks as well, which is which is really exciting for for netball in Australia. Yeah, definitely, it's, it's very exciting to see and. Um, I know obviously it is exciting that we've seen the Diamond Squad announced and you're a part of it, but um, disappointing that there will be no international series this year. Uh, What's it like kind of being selected in this squad, but not kind of knowing when you're going to be able to play um, together? Yeah, to be honest, I think um, I haven't thought about that so much at the moment. I think with, you know, everything that's going on in terms of, you know, club land and that sort of thing, um, you know, I think this year has thrown so much at us. I think it's probably almost, we can also, you know, sigh a bit of relief that it is maybe postponed a little bit. Obviously it's great to get out there and, and play some international netball. Um, but this has been such a hectic year and I think it won't be a, a negative thing for us to, you know, sit back and um, have that time at the end of, end of the year to be able to regroup and then ho- obviously have some matches next year, which is going to be, um, really exciting as well so I think obviously disappointing for everyone you know I know people love watching that international level of netball um you know towards the tail end of the year but you know I think for the players I think it's gonna yeah be a good thing to to have that break um and regroup and be able to put out some really good international netball next year yeah and obviously there's been a big change in head coach so no more Lisa Alexander we've got Stacey Marinkovic now um Kind of how, how do you see her slotting in at the top of the table there? And do you know much about her coaching style? Do you, do you really know what to expect for that? Um, no, I, look, I've had a little bit of a little bit to do with Stacey. I actually was in the Oz A um, team last year. We went over uh, to New Zealand and played a few matches over there. Um, and Stacey was part of the coaching group. So it's Julie Fitzgerald and, and Stacey. And um, I got to got to know her a little bit then. And yeah, she's a really, um, I guess, a likeable person, which is, you know, always good to have that person that you can relate to and, and I guess, um, approach about different things. So yeah, I'm really excited to see what she, she can do. Obviously, big big um, boots to fill with what Lisa was able to achieve in all her years at the Diamonds and you know she she did so much for Australian netball and really progressed that high level of women's sport and putting putting it out there that you know netball is a serious um, exciting game to watch and super competitive so I think yeah Stacey's obviously got a big big job ahead of her but I think she's yeah more than capable and looking forward to see what she does with the group and and even just the change up you know obviously um different different coaches have different styles and even things away from the court and what you know team team bonding you know experiences that sort of thing I think is exciting to see how she's going to take um this diamonds group to another level I guess and what she can introduce and and add to the group which is going to be exciting and named alongside you in the Diamonds and also playing with you at the Vixens, Joe Weston, I think it's fair to say you're one of the most iconic netball duos. What's it like <laughs> oh, <gosh>. having her <laughs> as your comrade out on court? She's probably actually, we are roomies, so she's probably just standing outside my door at the moment <laughs> listening to everything I'm saying. <laughs> so that'd be nice. Um, yeah, Joe and I have been um, friends for a long time now. We actually played under 15 schoolgirls together back in the day so we've been 
we've been with each other for a long time. I say with each other, like we're a couple. <laughs> I do actually have another partner away from netball. Um, but yeah, she, we're really close and um, we get along really well. And I think that's the good thing that we are so close off the court and can have a laugh and laugh at each other and, and with each other that um, it makes that connection on court pretty seamless and that we can have those hard conversations off the court as well and really work through um, the nitty gritties and, and what we want to, get out of it but yeah we've had some fun up here we've um haven't had many fights um <laughs> maybe a couple little bickers but <laughs> um no, it's been fun and yeah we've done lots of silly things um not always in front of camera because something should not be in front of camera <laughs> <laughs> she's still trying to get me on tiktok um but i'm just not sure about it as soon as I download it, I know I'm just going to be scrolling for days. So I'm like, no, I'll just, I'll do whatever you want. I'll film whatever you want me to do. You can put it up on yours, but I'm, I'm staying away. I'll get hooked. I reckon <laughs> I know I'll get hooked. So um, I've been very, yeah, very good at staying away. <laughs> it's very, very good self-control. Um, well, just one final one before we um, head off, I think just going into the finals, coming up against the Lightning. And obviously there's been a bit of an injury cloud over Liz Watson um, over the past couple of weeks. Um, mm. How are you excited to get her back at, at full strength for finals? Yeah, Lizzie did, you know, if there's anyone that's going to do whatever it takes to, to get back, it's going to be Lizzie. And she did all the hard yards to get back and she's in really good shape now. I think, yeah, getting out on court on the weekend and playing a solid half um, gave her that confidence that now she's, yep, she's right to go. Um, and she'll she'll be all guns blazing um, because that girl does not like to sit on the bench. We, it was funny in the Lightning game on the weekend. Um, I think I came off in the third quarter and Lizzie was on the bench and she's not a good bench player. I'm gonna say she lost her mind. She, I don't know what she was saying half the time, but um, yeah, I think for Lizzie she's gonna be raring to go. Um, so look out, Lightning. Lizzie, Lizzie Watson's back. But no, I think um, having that squad behind us of 14 has been really beneficial. And I think, um, you know, when we're in talks with Simone, that she, she really wanted to keep that 14 up here where, you know, most clubs have 12. That was something that we'll all for because all these girls have been working so hard and we just wanted that flexibility and ability to change things. Um, and it's been, yeah, working really well for us and girls have got opportunities that probably wouldn't have back, you know, in a regular season. So it's been really good and positive um, in that respect as well. So we're definitely a strong 14 um, squad and everyone's been doing uh, what they can to, to get us on the path to victory at the end. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Emily, thank you very much for joining us on the Centre Pass podcast and best of luck to you and the Melbourne Vixens in uh, your fight for, for, for Premiership glory. Yes, thank you. Hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully we get there because after all this, we are not leaving Brisbane without that trophy. I'll tell you what, <laughs> fingers crossed. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, and once again, a big thank you to Emily Mannix for joining us here on the Center Pass podcast. It's always good to have a chat. Uh, just before we do wrap up, we're just going to go through the two matches in the first week of the Suncorp Super Netball Finals. In the major semi-final, it is the Vixens up against the Lightning. Obviously, these two have just played on the weekend, and it was the Vixens who got the win by four points. Uh, maybe, Sophie, I'll go to you first. Do you think it'll be the same result, or can the Lightning turn it around? Yeah, I think it's really, really hard to do against the Vixens in this game. Obviously, they have beaten the Lightning both times they played this season. 
And then you add in the contribution of Lizzie Watson. She only played half on the weekend and the Vixens still won with Al McDonald in wing attack and Ellie Smith in wing defence. And it just says a lot about their their um, developing players and the fact that they're able to come on and continue that impact and continue to have that really great work ethic. So I think it's really, really tough to go past the Vixens. Plus, I think they'll have a real fire in the belly to do it for Katie and Tegan. Yeah, she was always going to go to the Vixens for that one. But I, I'm also going to back back the Vixens in this contest. I think that um, on the back of Tegan Phillip and Caitlin Twaits retiring, the Vixens have even more incentive now to win. And given the performance they put out last game and the fact that they have that edge over the, the Lightning heading into the clash, I think it should be theirs. The margin, however, I'm not sure. I don't know. I reckon it could either go one of two ways. They either come out and completely obliterate the Lightning or it'll be a very, very intense, close, like only one or two goal difference. What are you thinking, Jared? Yeah, I tend to agree. I think the Vixens should get the job done and, and it's really, I don't want to put the jinx on them, but it almost is their premiership to lose. They've been they've been the dominant team this season and the other three teams are very deserving to be in finals and, and on their day, you never know what's going to happen, but the Vixens have been um, that one consistent throughout the 2020 season and I think they should book their spot in the grand final. Uh, the minor semi-final is the Fever up against the Swifts. Defending champs, the Swifts, I think they've they've got a case, but I, I just can't go past the fever in this one. I, I think they're probably going to get the job done. Taylor, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think the Swifts have been way too inconsistent this season. Their best is good, but their worst is pretty bad. And the fact that the Fever can score with such ease and the amount of defensive options they have, I think that it's really poised for them to, to take the win out. And if they really want to, you know, kind of impress, I think that they'll just start hot and then if they that happens the Swifts often fall onto the back foot and they kind of can't work their way back into the contest so much like you Jared I think it's the fever that should get the job done here yeah I agree with that but I do think that the Swifts will have taken some notes watching the Adelaide defense on the weekend against the fever obviously you think of someone like Sarah Clow she's a very very different defender to Shamira Sterling but Given the game that Maddie Turner just had as well, and we know how explosive Lauren Moore can be, they have so many players that can step up in those tough moments. So I think if the Swifts force the Fever into a tight corner in the beginning and really, really shut down those players, I mean, we know that the the, the trick to stopping the Fever in the past was shutting down their midcourt, but now it's more so you've got to shut down their feeders. If the Swifts can do that from the get-go and really force a whole lot of pressure on the attacking midcourt in particular, limiting the ability for foul to get hands to ball. I think they have a real chance, but you also can't go past the consistency of the fever and they just continue to dominate week in and week out. And obviously they'll be coming in even stronger this week, knowing that they're coming in off a loss and that the Swifts will think they have a look in. So I'm still going to go fever, but I think it will be a tight one. Yeah, it's going to be an intense matchup. Both of these games are going to be great to watch and um, it'd be good to see what happens and how the results go. But that is all we do have time for this week on the Centre Pass podcast. Do go follow us on Twitter at Centre Pass Pod and do go to netball.draftcentral.com.au for your world netball news and reviews. And we'll speak to you next week. Music.